Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Avengers, assemble! Yeah, we're doing a cool comic book movie, guys. Oh, I couldn't wait. We're doing a good movie for once. I love I love the Avengers. Which is your favourite? Is it Hulk or Black Widow or maybe Thor, guys? What's your... I, I love this film. It's great, isn't it? Oh, what a joy. Mine's the crazy Scottish one who controls the weather. The weather man. I haven't heard of that one, but maybe it's one from the comics. Mine's the mine's the crusty, dumpy old man who sits in a wheelchair, covered in dandruff for some reason, and calls himself Mother. Oh, record scratch! <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on about the wrong film. <laughs> also, I do. I just just want to cut in. The other Avengers, the one that you're talking about, is a deeply mediocre film, but that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, I well, was it... going to say that, and then he kept going, so I was like, ah, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're not here to... I mean, Jamie apparently is here to br- briefly review and slate the <laughs> Avengers, but we're not here for that. The Avengers, or Avengers Assemble, or whatever it's called, obviously. I mean, people people aren't going to be falling for my silly joke, because the, they would have had to have clicked... On a link that's right in front of the poster, the whole ex- <laughs> the whole blurb. There's no confusion any time anyone clicks the podcast. So it was a huge waste of time, is what you're saying. Oh, it's hilarious, but uh... <laughs> let's not draw attention to how meaningless this is, shall we? Good point. I mean, that's what the whole film is <clears throat> anyway. So. Yeah. But anyway, hello. I'm Richard. With me, uh, assembled for the podcast. Oh. <laughs> is uh. The Incredible Sulk, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I was going to make some British tea jokes or whatever, but no, that's fine. Uh, that's Jamie. Uh, also is Abby, our, our resident Peel. What? I'm switching What an adventure's name! Oh, right. The, the Red Widow. <laughs> <laughs> and also... Uh, with us is Iron Balls, uh, Iron Man, Iron Penis, Anthony. Hi. <laughs> he could have been Ant-Man. Ant-Man yeah. is so obvious <laughs> right there. It's right there. It's, not only is it right there, you also stumbled through three different dick jokes <laughs> that didn't make any sense. That's rich. <laughs> I, who am I? I'm like, um, like who's the shit? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> who's a shit one? Who's a shit? Just like oh, I'm the wasp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this film, this film that we are talking about, did have wasps in it. I'll say that much. Oh, shit God. wasps. Oh. Shit robotic wasps controlled by Eddie Izzard. Fucking. Fuck yeah. <laughs> with so, the yeah. weird thing with all the lighter pencils in it, or whatever the fuck it was. I was thinking about that and how does it work, but I guess we'll save that for when we get to that bit of the chat. But it is I mean, a is a baffling concept that gets thrown in like, there. The the explanation that I think we will come up come up or conclusion we will come to for almost everything in this film is it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> the question will be, but why do? And then that'll be the answer. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, um, so we get, uh, you know, let's let's clear it up because uh, I think Abby pre-podcast suggested even Wikipedia preemptively starts with, well, don't don't get it confused now with the comic book shit. So this, we'll we'll this franchise, if if you can call it that, which you can't, um, brilliant, is the reason why the Avengers was named Avengers Assemble in the UK in case people got confused. It, the, which the, is the, uh, fine, okay. Abby, you've got the details for us, just to clarify, who's responsible for this film. Okay. The Avengers is a 1998 American action spy film adaptation of the British television series of the same name, directed by Jeremiah Chechik. It stars Ralph Fiennes and Uma Thurman as secret agents John Steed and Emma Peel, and Sean Connery as Sir August Winter, a mad scientist bent on controlling the world's weather. Also... Written by Alessandro Manzoni, based on the original Avengers series by Sidney Newman. Has anyone sort seen? Of. Actually, have you seen some of the TV show? Yes. Go on. To, to, <laughs> to, like elaborate on that answer. Uh, it's it's an odd one. Um, I used to watch it like uh, late at night, um, on like um, on Channel Three. Uh, and like it, it was a kind of somewhat psychedelic spy yeah. thing, somewhere like the tone was like somewhere between um, James Bond and like Doctor Who. Is it, is it like I put it in the same sort of category as something like uh, Get Smart or Mission Impossible, the TV show? Yes, kind of. And, and uh, I will, you know, to credit to the film. It did get well weird, the TV show. So mm. that kind of explains where the points where this gets really weird for no apparent reason, because the show was prone to do that. I don't think the show ever... Because I remember it, because I think I used to watch it, kind of, like in, a, in that disinterested way that you watch TV coming at you when you're a kid and it's the 90s and you don't have a choice. That's the and thing, it it's like, like, I can watch this, or I can go outside and fuck, uh, I'm going outside. I'll watch, yeah, I'll watch <laughs> this. Um, and I remember it just being, yeah, there's a, the, it's it's sort of got that original Mission Impossible-ish feel, but with a little mm. bit of, like, the prisoner in there. Sure. Like, yes. some, of the, some of the weirdness, and that, like, it's, and it's kind of twee and quaint and British, but nowhere near what this film seems to think it was. <laughs> thing. It was this weird thing. Like, British TV in the 60s was just, well, yes, it's very British, but it's also a little bit weird. We could, just, yeah. just enough weird. We don't have a huge budget, so do whatever you want. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So, and, and also, yeah, it's the 60s. Somebody's going to fucking watch it. So, like, <laughs> what else are they going to do? Yeah, no one wants to go outside, like Abby said, and play or do social things. Yeah. But it does um, have very... Um, it it made an impression on British culture. Like, it's in the UK, it's something that, at least growing up in the 90s, was referenced often. Like, people knew what the Avengers was. They knew who Emma Peel was. And it, like... It was very... It was very cemented in everyone's mind of a certain generation. You always see those like clip shows of um, people doing like oh from back to the sixties or back to the seventies, 
And you always have like really old men bloody like rubbing their thighs going like, oh yeah, Emma Peel, Joanna Lumley, <laughs> Jana Rigg. <laughs> so it's basically the, it's the Austin Powers, but what, what that actually happened and wasn't like, it was what Austin Powers sort of was meant to be. But I also, I guess, I also I don't know. get the feeling that the series, in the same way that like, the Batman series with Adam West, like, was in on the joke. Like, it was deliberately silly and campy and a, just mm. had a, like, eh, fuck it, whatever, attitude. Okay. Well, uh, Abby, it was your pick, but as we were discussing, uh, it did feel a little bit like it was Anthony's pick because he has suggested it for the show before. But you've brought Spiritually. it forward to us this time. Yeah. Spiritually, this is Anthony's pick because he's the one who's been lobbying to get it done, and I've just—but not lobbying, but he keeps, like, he suggested it to us to watch it originally, even before Spoilerfield, and he's put it forward a couple of times that hasn't made it. So I was just like, this time, you know what, Avengers, I'm putting Avengers forward myself, and it's going, it's going in. Well, let's. So this let's, is this is for you, Anthony. Let's let's <laughs> turn to the man himself, Anthony. Why do we associate this with you? <laughs> <laughs> when we. When the family first got, like, a DVD player, it came with, like, seven DVDs. And this was one of them. The Did they hate you? Canal. <laughs> yeah. They can't, give yeah it, they can't even give it away. They have to give it away with six other films as well, just to sweeten the pot. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we had, we had, like, the highlights of, like, The Matrix and The Ghostbusters... And then this and some Patrick Swayze films uh, at the bottom. Um, anyway, yeah, but um, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Uh, I used to watch like Bond films when I was younger, um, and I, I used to watch like all the the spy things as well, like uh, Mission Impossible, and I'd seen the Avengers on TV. And I don't know. I kind of I kind of liked it when I was younger uh, because it was a bit. Mad and over the top and yeah. weird. It is. It is mad. And you know, I, I've subsequently then seen it uh, later on in life and been like, "What was I thinking?" <laughs> Although this is yeah. still mad. We need to see this. Yeah, this. And that's the angle a... I was coming from. It's got a few cult classic tick boxes like Sean Connery. And, well, we will talk about some of the mad shit. But it, it has those little... If you're a, a film nerd, there'll be a few things in this that maybe uh, make you select it as something. Ooh, what's this weird thing that you, that you know, you want to find out about? I, I actually think, Anthony, it was you, having you know seen this before, you put us on to watching it the first time, which was, I think, a little while ago for me and Abby, anyway. Um, I remember at the time, the first time I watched it, I went... Well, that was mad and tedious, and then, then when it came to doing it again, I was like, "Oh, it, it really is a chore." <laughs> and but mm. like now that I'm thinking about it, it's, it's like there's so many bits I want to go. Well, that makes what sense. Oh, I just I was just like angry at like yeah. obviously like I have a big problem where things don't make logical sense, but no one can tell me it makes any sense that there's a like a room illusion that Uma Thurman gets trapped in that it it, it doesn't even obey its own internal logic. <laughs> Yeah, I. That was the most relatable part of the film at that point to me. Like I <laughs> yeah. felt I stuck in the room with her. Well, yeah. Well, maybe we'll elaborate on it. But um, 
<clears throat> I, I was deeply irked by the film this time around. But I haven't I haven't seen the TV show. Um, I've seen a few of those sixties ones, but like not that, not the Avengers. How did uh, you avoid it? I don't know. Just watch the Prisoner instead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah. Um, I don't know if it was on a different channel at the same time or no. But like, oh, it didn't exist. I didn't watch it like at the time because it uh, whatever. I did. I yeah. I just haven't seen it. Sorry, if, you know, sue me if you want. Um, Abby, had you? You actually picked it this time, just as a kind of like we should do it, agree, agreeing that we should do it. But like, what were you thinking coming into the, this this time, having only seen it like once before in the like a while ago? I remembered certain moments of madness, so mm. I thought, oh, there'll be two or three points in this that are a bit weird that we could talk about in the show. And then as we threw it, it was like, well, that's weird, that's weird, that's weird. That the weird never ends. Where's the normal? <laughs> There's none. What's going on? Really? Uh, what? <laughs> and it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And they keep... Because they keep playing it straight as well. It's like, do they know how batshit insane this is? Do they have any idea? I don't think they know. I also assume... I th- like, the characters act as if this is all very entertaining, when it, it isn't really. <laughs> it's <laughs> no. kind of weird. Like, they just... They kind of act as if, well, you assume this is all hilariously... Uh, twee and uh, exciting, but it's like, is it though? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, okay, I mean that's fair. Uh, so, Jamie, was this your first time with the film? Yes. Uh, um, I I remember when this came out um, because, like, the late night, like ninety eight, ninety nine, was when I really started to like get into films and become a, a gross unlikable film nerd and um so <laughs> it was very were you, not, were you a pleasant film nerd before that you stopped <laughs> washing started staying in your basement ah uh, just you know what no one of those people who like you can't like anything because i'll and i'll tell you why but um, <laughs> well, well that's the podcast <laughs> but um I remember this coming out, and it was in you know I was a I was buying like film magazines like Total Film and Empire, and I remember them all like just fucking slating it. Hmm. So like from the beginning, as as soon as I was aware of this film, I was aware that people hated it, um, and it's it, it gets in my head. It gets lumped in with Batman and Robin, um, also Mystery Men. Um, yeah, I know, I remember that. Like those, like that, that weird late '90s phase where, very briefly, everyone forgot how to make films, and it just became <laughs> like every mainstream film, especially like action movies, just became sort of incoherent and confused. Um, and it it almost feels like this is the kind of nadir of that. I did not. I was not prepared, despite all my reading beforehand and looking at the robust 3.8 it has on IMDb. <laughs> I was not ready for this film. <laughs> However prepared I thought I was when I started it, uh, by the end of it, I was deeply traumatized and upset. <laughs> it was. Uh, it may be. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I can say this off the top of my head because we've done some appalling films. Oh yeah, but it's it's this is this is close to the top uh, in terms <laughs> of the absolute worst because even fucking even fucking Xanadu was <laughs> like 
coherent than yeah, this. Xanadu was. has an internal logic. Yeah, that... I understood for the most part what was supposed to be happening. <laughs> Whereas, like, within a couple of scenes of this, I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And it just never stopped. <laughs> it never, like, took a breath to, like, properly establish anything. I think um, one of the things it put me in mind of that we've covered before is like Mario Brothers, but Mario Brothers, I could follow it, but it it, it had like Mario Brothers, I could follow, but it was just annoying how confused. Yes. Like it, it had no reason to be as weird and as stupid as it was. It had nothing really to do with the video game, and so there were lots I... of problems with it. But I wasn't staring, going glass-eyed, watching it, going, "Christ, this is the yeah, most tedious it's more thing." Like, yeah, it's more. Like the Mario Brothers movie, it's more sort of it, it's it's oddly fascinating because of how strange and misguided it is. But at the same time, you understand why people like why characters are doing things for the most part. Like within itself, this may be the first and only time anyone's ever said this. But the Mario Brothers movie is relatively coherent. And that, that's the last time anyone will say it. Yes. <laughs> You know, I, I'll defend that. I, well, I don't defend that movie, but I'm like low-key obsessed with it. Well, get it, let's also, get back. Let's get back on point with the the Avengers itself. Yeah. It's not upsetting like the Avengers <laughs> is. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think Abby. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you and Anthony have to come to the defense of this, or are you also in the camp of oh, this is a chore? How? No, oh. I have brought. I've brought this exclusively for its talking points. I, this isn't that I like this film. This is, this needs to be talked about. This is an ordeal you wanted to share. So this is therapy, it, really. Yeah, yeah. This is therapy. Ants yourself? Yeah, pretty much the same. I can think of one decent thing to say about the film. I might as well say it now. And get it out of the way because yeah. the rest is just going to be shitting on this film. Mm. The effects, for the most part, surprisingly held up for a nineties film. That's oh, true. The CGI wasps. If it works for Richie, for the Rich. most part, <laughs> uh, the wasps were a, were a bit off. Not too bad for the nineties, and the weather effects were a bit off. Mostly everything else. The lightning. I was I was okay. surprised. Like for 1998, I would I would say that these effects were relatively solid. I will give it that Sean Connery's character's death, spoilers, he dies, is pretty over the top and spectacular. And <laughs> it was the kind. I feel like there were a couple of moments where I it like by couple I mean literally couple. I think there were two moments where a joke in the film actually landed and i laughed because i was supposed to but they got washed away by everything else and i cannot remember what they were <laughs> well speaking of the death of sean connery uh in the film <laughs> yeah, he's still alive well we never know when this podcast is out so <laughs> best of luck sean uh oh, he... <laughs> i didn't mean to imply his real life death in the film in the film Right in the film, he basically gets the quickening from the Highlander that he missed out on. Oh yeah! So <laughs> you know, 
Maybe he after maybe he didn't die. Maybe he now can feel the beating heart of a stag running alongside him now. <laughs> Only briefly before he presumably drowned in the weird weather machine he was in. As of this recording, he's 89, by the way. Good work to him. Fair I play. think this film might have partially redeemed itself if, as he was being like hauled, like hoovered up into a tornado, he went, that's the quickening! Oh, God. <laughs> The like Highlander's a cheesy, lovable mess, but that fucking line just makes me cringe out of my skin every time. <laughs> I don't know why. Ah, oh, I, I. Anyway, I just, I just thought yeah. it reminded me of of Highlander at that moment. Um, yeah. it reminded me more of Highlander too. Oh. Well, <laughs> it's. I mean, uh, there's a special uh, level of hell reserved for Highlander too, isn't there? But. <laughs> Even that film is more coherent than this. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, no, no. This is this this. No, 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 no. This this film, you go. They're spies. There's an even villain with a weather machine. He's holding the world ransom with his weather. The good guy say like, but no, like I can I can explain this film. Highlander two, I cannot wrap my head around at all. Like, there's no watching Highlander 1 and making sense of Highlander 2. Oh yeah, it doesn't make sense in that way, but I just mean within the film, you understand why characters are doing things. Well, in this, you understand it. It's not that weird. My my (laughs) primary problem in this film was that I could not figure out why anyone was doing anything. (laughs) Like, things are just happening and people are doing things and it just seems to like not connect why does he get in a fucking phone box <laughs> British oh, the, but the moment for me that really just sort of cracked me mentally was when it was absolutely fine that he was visiting an, an invisible man in the basement for information about his <laughs> project was like, and he not played by him. what's his name the guy who played John Steed in the series but but he was fucking invisible so what kind of cameo is that yeah it's the second time Sean Connery's worked with Invisible Man has he not as well Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one I've never seen. Maybe that's worse than this. I think it's bad. I don't know. I haven't watched it. I I've heard it's extremely bad. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. For anyone not in on the information, but yeah, um, it is. Abby, you're right though. It is like, why the fuck is the Invisible Man in there? Like, not the Invisible Man. Just a man is invisible because a man whose name is Invisible Jones. Which coincidence? <laughs> okay. It would be really embarrassing if he could fly and it wasn't invisible. <laughs> oh, awkward, I got born with that name and everything. Anyway, right. Um, let's begin the podcast. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, Fuck, dear. Given... Oh, yeah, no, you did. I've she already did. forgotten that you gave the details because my brain's fucking fried bringing this back up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the key information is that... Um, it's set in Britain, in a Britain where I guess spies aren't just like James Bond, but they're also tediously posh and fond <sighs> of British. It's like it's like the film is written by an Anglophile who has never been to Britain. 
Yeah. Or that Guy Ritchie mm. these days. Guy Ritchie seems. Uh, the more Guy Ritchie makes films, the more I go, have you ever been to England? Where <laughs> are you from? But this is very much fetishizing the idea of the stiff upper lip, bowler hats, oh, umbrellas. But the opening scene. Calm down, calm down. It, the opening bit of this is it's so it's so stupid. Basically, a, a stereotypical English gentleman with a bowler. I don't think I've ever seen an actual British person wear a bowler hat. Non-ironically. Yeah, a, I yeah. But a man dressed like Mister Ben is walking through <laughs> like a, a country village or something. And then he's like a milkman, just smashes a milk bottle and attacks him, and he has to fend him off with his karate and umbrella or whatever. And then, like, there's mechanics attack him, and I think an old lady with a stroller, um, what does she do? She throws knives and fucks off for some reason. And Seemingly, she has an actual baby in the stroller, too, which is weird. Like, why go to that? Length. I expect. I, expe- I expected like the baby from Roger, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, to be in there, <laughs> just smoking a stogie and then having like a machine gun or something. But the the, uh, the idea being like, what's going on? This British gentleman is being attacked by the people in this village. What? How can they possibly explain this madness? And then there's nuns, and the nuns don't attack him. And then he's run. He's like someone tries to run over a car. He like jumps up out way, sort of awkwardly climbs out of the way. Yeah, it's really like shit, mediocre stunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lifts his legs up. And the big reveal is the the doorway he's walked to or whatever is a set, and that this is some sort of training for in case the people of Britain go mad and attack you. <laughs> mm. And then he even says, like, oh, the nuns were a bit of a surprise. Yeah, in that they didn't do anything. And were they real nuns? Was that, like, like the, that's the, like, you know, like those, um, uh, when people do training to shoot guns and stuff, like in police yeah. movies, they get the pop-ups, and the nuns were, like, pop-ups of, oh, don't shoot them, they're the good guys. And if you'd have attacked the nuns, you'd have failed the thing. And yeah. we watched, this is the start of your movie, he gets graded 9 out of 10. Great. Didn't even score ten in his own film. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, you guys were all excited at this bit. This was like, wow! I might have been so f- I didn't know what was going on. It's like, uh, oh, what was that film that came out? Fuck, what's it called? It's the it's this, it's what this film wanted to no. Oh, if I can Hot remember, Fuzz. Hot Fuzz? No, no, not at all. That is well good. <laughs> this is like, oh, that what's that one where fucking everyone's a gentleman and they all go and have their suit tailored and have guns and martial arts training? What the hell is it called? Kingsman. Kingsman. Kingsman is basically what this like. It's going for that kind of what yeah. it's what Kingsman did probably correctly. But like when you watch Kingsman, I mean, I didn't I didn't love Kingsman, but Kingsman's got that British. Sensibility, British, yeah. English porn, but, act, but it's an insane action movie. Why are men in tweed suits able to kill people with their bare hands? You know, it it it, it was like, wow, we've blown your mind, haven't we? With a milk a milkman attacking a guy, and then him fighting the Englishman fought like he's in a martial arts expert. What? We should really come up with a pun because in Equilibrium they had gun fu. So, so gun, in this gun they had Carter, isn't it? Gun Carter, yeah. A brolly fight? Brolly gijitsu? What do you call it? Brojitsu works for me. He uses his bowler hat at one point. I don't know if it's meant to be like 
a weapon. Is his hat special? It, it seems like all of his his Britishy things are gadgety, but they I don't are know. they are whenever they need to be for the purposes of the plot. I say plot as as I say it, I re- realize it just does not apply to this film. <laughs> Anthony, were there any things in like the TV show that come up that are also in this that are like, oh yes, of course, his umbrellas, you know, whatever. Uh, yes. The umbrella thing was a was a thing, and you know, they he would always be dressed like that with a little bowler hat thing. Um. I don't know, you know, I, I did I haven't seen it all. Okay. But I I have mm. definitely seen some very trippy things. It tended to be a sort of like I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there was an episode of the Avengers which was just this like this first scene where they go to like a seemingly normal village and everyone is weirdly polite but then also attacking them. Yeah, it's it's sort of a bit more like Oh, how can I explain this? Like a gimmick of the week. A bit like mm-hmm. when when they did the modern version of Randall and Hopkirk, they tended to have, and this week we've gone to the weird village and mm. used my ghost power to solve the weirdness. What so can more, we afford this week? <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this, it was like throwing all the weird shit instead mm-hmm. of just, oh, this week the weird thing is this. But I, I guess in this, the explanation being, oh, that was a training exercise, and you just go, I mean, I guess spies have to look out for suspicious, like, the whole, if you're up against other spies, you want to watch for tells or be, expect the unexpected was the lesson, but he was so smug about it, and he was so, like, oh, fuck off, like, it was such a, it was such a, like, uh, it was such a wanky opening, I was instantly like, oh, this is going to wind me up. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the the second thing that was absolutely tedious was the code names. So the two, I guess, the sort of M figures, like I guess they have two within the spy network. That uh, this guy is what's it? So Peel is Uma Thurman, and this is Steed. What's his first name? John. John. So John Steed is a secret agent. In is it still like MI six or something? Or is it like? Some other organization. Oh, they do oh. say, but yeah, there was there was an acronym they used. The only it... acronym I remember from this film is Sean Connery's whatever organization is called fucking Brawly. Mm. Fucking, fucking Brawly. But no, for, I added the fucking for flavor. But um, <laughs> the British Royal Organization for Lasting Liquid Years. It's so fucking liquid years. So awkward. Yeah. What words can we use to force Brolly to be the acronym? <laughs> they worked on Umbrella or Bumbershoot and they just couldn't make it work. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Operation Bumbershoot. No. <laughs> Welcome to the organisation. I'm the head of Bumbershoot. It stands for... Oh, I can't, I can't be asked right now, but prom- oh, I promise yeah, you. Okay. <clears throat> um... But anyway, there's the the two people in charge, or the sort of number one and number two, who are the sort of spy masters, or I don't know, they're just the bosses of the spy thing. Oh, we made it to the macaroon meeting. I, yes, the, it's the introduction <laughs> of the macaroons. But we the the point I wanted to make was just 
the fact that the bosses are called mother and father, and <laughs> mother is a man and father is a woman. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's uh, every time they say mother and father as if, haha, what a funny use of, a, of their spy code names. Isn't it funny when adults say mother and father? It just smacks of <laughs> I've been abused by my my nanny and I have fucking issues. It's just like, oh, we should do what mother says and it's like, oh, fucking die! Like, I'm completely with you, Jamie. It's just every time it's like, oh, you fucking winding up. Do you know what? Like, Jim Broadbent puts so much wasted effort into trying to do something with this character. He's often called upon to be shit characters in bad, almost for kids films. And he he always puts so much effort in, and I was just sitting there thinking, you really don't have to be trying this hard. I kind of... (laughs) I kind of feel like that about everyone in this film. If I, like, just to... It's not a compliment to the film. It's more that I feel bad for everyone in it. Because everyone from, like... Ra- Do we say Ralph or Rafe? Rafe is Rafe what... Fine. Rafe. He, yeah. he says Rafe. I respect him enough. But we all secretly know his name's Ralph. I think that's yeah. the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, uh... Like... From from like everyone, Ray finds Uma Thurman, uh, even fucking Eddie Izzard. Like everyone's at least trying to do something with the nothing that they have in this. I think they're all assuming this is a proper film. I think that I don't I don't know about effort made, but I, I they all are not acting like they know they're in a piece of shit. <laughs> they they're not like oh I'm slumming it. They're just. They've been hired. They don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. They assume it'll all come together in the edit. That's how as far as I'll go. That's yeah. Is, like with effects movies, is you don't really know what's happening when you're making them. It's only later on where you sort of put two and two together. You only make your bit as well, don't you? You're in, you do your scenes, and you fuck off. You don't see everything else, necessarily. Mm. I even... Sean Connery, who at this point is in his career didn't really have to be doing shit like this, does seem to be trying to be villainous. I don't think he necessarily has that in him as an actor. No, he's he's effortlessly charming, even when he's meant to be a bad guy. I will say they did have one of his lesser convincing wigs. Like I, usually oh, he like oh. there's there's some Sean Connery's had some really convincing toupees, and because most of the time you you kind of forget that he is a very bald man, and because he you he doesn't go for like I'm gonna pretend I have young man hair. Sean Connery usually age matches himself to what hair he could it's, plausibly it's, have. Yeah, they're sensible wigs. But um, but this even, this even time his... it was just sort of weird yeah. to look at. It, when you compare it to like his long hair in The Rock. Which is only a couple of years before this, and you know, there he's. Every time you like, you hire Sean Connery. He's one of those actors. You hire him to be Sean Connery for the most part, especially mm-hmm. later on in his career. So to see him at least attempting to play a different type of character in this, and again, it's the same as Jim Broadbent, where I'm like, you really don't need to be putting the effort in at this point. Like, just mm-hmm. fucking, don't worry about it. <laughs> Anthony, how did you feel about uh, Jim Broadbent and his sort of um, scruffy-suited 
Why did you have so much dandruff? What was with that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, yeah. <sighs> they were such... <laughs> like, I have no strong feelings towards them because they're such nothing compared to, like, the insanity of the rest of the film. Because it's, um, it's him and his, he has a blind female... Is it his assistant or his equal? Or... No, no, father is blind. That's what I meant. The woman oh, who is no, blind I is... Think... No, he's he's below her. Oh, right. So she... Oh, anyone? Anyone else? Packing What's the order? question? What's the packing Should... order? Mother and father, who's in charge? Father is at the top. Mother is, like, the one below. But father is also a turncoat who's working with Sean Connery because of a balloon or some fucking shit. I don't know. They crash into something. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one of the oh, I've, re- I've remembered I've remembered one of the bits right that actually made me laugh, and it's when Father, this blind woman who is is a double agent or whatever, and working with Sean Connery, the bad guy, they're playing croquet, and at first you're like a blind woman's playing croquet, and then Sean Connery um, is cheating <laughs> because yeah. the, this blind woman can beat him at croquet, and then he like doubles the bet, and she's like, yeah, I'll double the bet, and then she's like. Taking it on faith that she's doing badly after Sean Connery. It's like, why is a blind woman playing croquet in this film? One of the now I now I think about it, I don't know whether it was an intentional laugh, but like it it had to be. And fuck it, it's way further in towards the end of the film, but who cares? Yeah. Um, it's whenever the the clone of Emma Peel, by the way, yeah, um, is carrying the real Emma Peel through the snow in the streets. The, the, the snow that just looks like confession, confectioner sugar. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Father is like leading them through the streets. And then suddenly, completely out of nowhere, Jim Broadbent just arrives in the scene in his re- in his wheelchair, comes to a sudden stop and almost falls out. And it... <laughs> I burst out laughing. <laughs> and then, not only that, but doesn't she just fucking kick him over in the chair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just left lying in the street. And I was just like, yeah, at this point, even the film can't be asked anymore. I love the way they go through, he's like, leave me! And he's just smoking on his back yeah. on the ground. Is the film aware of its humour? I Maybe it is. No. I I feel like those moments probably come more from the well I don't know because it's clearly supposed to be it's like it's like the Batman and Robin with George Clooney mm. like it's supposed to be campy but it completely misses all of the like the jokes you're laughing I at don't... it not with it aren't you yeah mm. but I don't think everyone it's trying to be funny like everyone was trying to be funny but they weren't all trying to be funny to the same song, if that makes yes. any sense. It's all, yeah. There's like a presumption of, oh, this scene is kind of odd, isn't it? Is that funny? And it's like, well, not for why you think. But like, <laughs> yeah. It's it is, baffling. It is, there's, a, there's an arrogance to the film where, every, it, yeah. where like, it, it did it all right. <laughs> Clearly didn't. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. It's it's yeah. Um, but so how? Like you mentioned the the fact that there's a doppelganger in this film. So Peel, oh, what, what's that? What's Peel's first name? Emma. 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 Uma. <laughs> 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 you right, mate? No. 
I don't think that's on the film, then. That's on you, that one. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> she... How does she get introduced to our man? She just t- she, she gets a phone call. She's, like, in a fancy, swanky, 60s-ish pad. And she gets yeah. a phone call to turn up or something, is it? There's a bit about this. Wait. There's... So where did her blah, blah, exposition? The Bindi phone box. No, where's the... Oh, well, she's brought in as a consultant because it vaguely relates to the case. And then they go to that botanical garden where where Sean Connery's all creepy and weird. (laughs) Well, he's not just creepy. She goes into the botanical garden like it's some fucking noir film and she's investigating something. And then he strangles her. He jumps out and strangles her. Yes! But then starts to greet her. He, like, grabs her around the throat and then is like, hello, but I'm going to continue holding your throat. And, and then it rains inside, so he pats her down with a towel and just focuses on her ass, and she's like, excuse me, and he goes, oh, I'm telling you something. Just, just to give you an I just to give <sighs> listener an idea of how incoherent this is, my notes go as the following. Cup of tea, botanical garden, weird attack, blah, 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 expo, windy phone box, snowdrift, harpoon dog sled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, like, because... Like, that's the thing. I, I've been talking about how this film, like, I don't understand what's happening. There's so much exposition, and I don't understand a fucking word of it. Like, it does, it's oh, so like, pointless. I'm sure you're explaining some story, but it's not this. Like, this whole scene with with Sean Connery and Uma Thurman, where they're having this weird back and forth, and I suppose it's meant to be flirty, and he's meant to be, like, sexually threatening. But I have never seen such bad on-screen chemistry as this. Oh, I know. There's also in it um, the same with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman, and I don't know if that's just like I don't I, I don't think it's their fault. It's just that the film is di- is directed and written so poorly. But like these two really attractive people in their prime have nothing between them. The more the film tries to make it happen, the worse it. It's like two ends of a magnet pushing each other away uh, um, it's because no, maybe it's maybe it's because they're both kind of doing a kind of stilted stiff upper lip british character like oh we're in like crippled with britishness so we are very <laughs> formal and we can't express ourselves through emotions we're just sort of autistically english yeah and it's just zip up your boots how 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 naughty but yes fucking <laughs> Oh God! The the and I think is it before this where she rides in Steed's car and he has a fucking tea. Yes. <laughs> I was so upset. I just I, one of the one of the funny comments I read criticised it because obviously oh we're in an old fashioned British car because this is a British porn film not British porn film it's British Britain porn like yes. so it's an old car where I've got my bowler hat on and I'm in my old car and of because gadgets and James Bond and all that the the tea is the car dispenses tea. And one of the criticisms I read is British people being annoyed that the tea comes out with the milk already in. And you'd be like, yeah. no, no, you'd have a separate thing for the milk, you heathens. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think, that would immediately curdle. That's, and I think that's like, that's how you know it, this wasn't made by British people. Because that is yeah. the best way to offend the British, <laughs> is to do bad tea. 
you need to have let people have their own options for how it's like some people are milk first some people yeah. are milk second I... some people are two lumps of sugar some people are one you got uh, people have their tea their way you can't just have a car sick it up for you <laughs> I um I for years now for years I have not let anyone else make me a cup of tea if I'm making a cup of tea <laughs> Only I will be allowed to make it for myself. Yeah, you're not gonna. You're not gonna accept whatever chitty chitty bang bang spits at you. <laughs> I wonder if was Rafe finds like angry or offended by any of this as an actual British person because I was. That's, maybe that's why he's so frigid the entire time because he's still internally seething about the tea dispensing car. <laughs> Of all the things in the film, though, that pissed me off, which it was basically everything. The constant fucking tea jokes. Oh, well, the, just... f- the first time is this dickhead move of... He basically sounds like he's offering Uma Furman a cup of tea, and she's like, no. And he's like, oh, I meant pour me another cup. Like, what's, what does he say? He just basically goes, yeah. oh, I meant I wanted tea. No, he says... More tea. Yeah. Oh, oh. More tea. So more tea. So, but if he meant, can I have some more tea? He's being very rude. You wouldn't say more tea... <laughs> And you'd add please, wouldn't you? Yeah, especially if you're British. That's the whole point of the fucking... Oh, God. Well, it, like, uh, English, but... Britishness, Britishness 101, no one has ever said more tea like that. Yeah. You just, you're sitting down, and if someone else gets up, you go, oh, guess another one. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's, yeah. how t- that's how Britishness works. It's whoever makes the first move will be asked by everyone else to get them a cup <laughs> yeah. of tea. It's like sort of... Russian roulette, but getting out of a chair. Oh, while you're yeah. there, while you're, oh, I'll have another cup. Yeah, like it's literally that's there's none of this fucking more tea. No one has ever said that. I hated that. There's one. I don't even remember what the context was. It may have been the mac, the, the initial macaroon meeting where Uma Thurman takes one and it's a faux pas or whatever the fuck's happening. And uh, <laughs> someone says something and. Uh, John Steed, Ray Fine says, after tea, and Jim Broadbent's like, oh, of course. And I was just like, oh, fucking, bro, I'm going to pull my eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's very easy to get sidetracked, sidetracked with hatred. Um, she hasn't even made it for the first act yet. <laughs> 45 minutes. Dig my fingers knuckle deep in my own eye sockets and just fucking wrench them out in protest. Anyone know how... Uh, but no. These two got put on a mission together to stop weather block. Is, is that right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. The, well, this is where the whole fuckery starts. Because um, John, right, John Steed is working for the Ministry. Emma Peel used to work for some weather stuff. Something gets stolen. Yeah, she knows weather. <laughs> Something gets stolen... They have footage of her stealing it. Oh, yes. Hmm. And and yet they have her investigating what is seemingly <laughs> cut and dry, her own crime. Yes. They immediately believe that it's not her. Who, be- who, be- who, be- her. who better to solve the crime than the criminal? Hmm? <laughs> Go on, Anthony. Oh. They obviously so, don't, they yeah. don't, sorry, they don't accept that it's her. Yeah, for for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, I mean, there's 
your, the, the biggest flaw in the film, really. It's like, why are they doing this? So, so, yeah. so the, the MacGuffin, the MacGuffin is being stolen by a doppelganger of Uma Thurman, aka we actually did film Uma Thurman. Are we going to explain this? Well, I fucked those. Just, gonna, gonna, just gonna shrug it off. Do they? Do they actually explain? Was it something why to do with cloning? And yeah, what? yeah, it's clones. But why? But why would it, you yeah. even use one? I don't know. They didn't fall for it. It didn't work. Were there other clones? <laughs> No, just, just but be modest. One clone will do. They talk yeah. about other clones, but they never show any sort of anything to do with it. Well, that's... Like, they just say, oh, she's a clone. Yes. <laughs> maybe... maybe Sean Ryder is like a bad clone of Eddie Izzard. <laughs> I, I would say in real I life... I Sean... that's more insulting too. <laughs> They they um, both kind of look like clone reject like like broken they didn't fully replicate someone clones like the oh um I mean just just, just wait no hang on just just while while we're on Sean Ryder now and Eddie Izzard Eddie Izzard at least was trying to make it like Eddie Izzard has been in a bunch of films he has tried his hand at acting and to some to, sometimes he succeeds other times you go hmm. but he so he's he's an actor as well as a comedian and marathon runner and transvestite. That's and fine. politician now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Politician as and well. Politician. Yeah, and I uh, like it is, Andy, fine. But Sean Ryder uh, of The Happy Mondays, what, what is he doing in this film as a henchman? <laughs> Sorry. Well, you see Britain and Britishness, that's about it, really. I <laughs> think that's, that's the extent of... Uh, he just must have uh, been around or friends with someone involved. <laughs> I think he was just there. He was stoned he with. Was, it. He was just he doing was, drugs with with Eddie Izzard, and Eddie Izzard said, "I've got, I've got to go do a film a minute." And then Sean Ryder didn't get like he didn't get that Eddie Izzard wanted him to go home, so he just tagged yeah. along and was in the film. Then that he's also that's not like costume. That's just how he's dressed and looks. It was so weird. It would just go, is that him? Oh, it is him. Oh, he's being shot at by an old granny with a machine gun. <laughs> What's happening? I think we've skipped out a very important scene. Oh, yeah, it doesn't definitely. Matter. Uh, but it's, well, <laughs> there's a note before the one I want to talk about, which says, have you seen an, a seven-spotted ladybird in the mating season? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and after that, Ben. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so can anyone uh, remember oh, the God. whole ladybird seven at all? He I talks mean, about ladybirds mating, and it gets the receptionist really horny for some reason. So she oh, does that's, what he wants. That's the Ema Bob as well from uh, Ashes to Ashes, is it? Oh, mm. Oh, huh. Just with a younger and with a silly haircut. Um, before we get to the bears, which we're, is going to be. He's spoken it's, about it's, the, it's the an, teddy bear I, in the room, which I, no, no, I was surprised we got this far without mentioning the fucking teddy bears. Oh, because we have to save it. Yeah. The, do you know what? In all the conversation we've done, I had literally forgotten about the bears entirely until it just mm. came up. And it's, it's just flooding back. But, um, no, the whole scene where the weather the manipulation is introduced, where John Steed goes into a phone box and things blow around, yeah. and he's shot... And is okay and wakes up in. A, he's shot by Emma Peel, who presumably he shouldn't know is a clone, and then wakes up in her apartment and just goes, Oh, very good. And she's playing the piano, 
something fucking weather. Yeah. What's happening? Well, <laughs> that whole weird sexual tension thing. I was like, yeah, there shouldn't be sexual tension right now, guys. He thinks she fucking <laughs> shot was... him. So, for no reason, Uma Thurman is separate from uh, Ray Fiennes. And Ray Fiennes gets caught up in the weather thing, as you mentioned. And then, obviously, you send your clone to use your knockout bullets <laughs> in order to knock him out and take him somewhere else until... Uh, oh, you're right. I see what you mean about it doesn't make any sense. It can't be explained. <laughs> no. Well, like, the only the only way... He doesn't really know Peel at this point either because they had one scene where he bought some more clothes with his butler or something and then orders her some special boots. And then it's like, that's oh, all, yeah, they've, that's all they've done together. Trebuchet or something. <laughs> they've had a cup of tea in a car and they've bought some British clothes to be ordered. Very, don't forget the very polite sword fight. Oh, they did have a polite sword fight because it's... Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And the bulletproof waistcoat. It's so it's so smug when they have that sword. Oh, the bulletproof waist. Yeah. See, there's so it's so easy to just gloss over. Oh yeah, two people who are like like on the same team smugly fight each other, and then like set up the idea that there's a bulletproof waistcoat for some fucking needless reason. So, um, which it makes sense. Like fuck. Up to this point in the film, and. This is only, like, this is the first, like, chunk of the film. Everyone, like, the the, the idea of Britishness in particular, that's the other thing that drives me nuts, is that, like, this is, this is that idea, this is an outsider's idea of Britain, yeah. where all of Britain is posh England. Um, to, be, to be honest, like, I kind of, it, I kind of mistook that, in my mind, I was, I was trying to remember before we watched the film, what was this film? And I realised, I was just remembering one of the Blur videos from the time, like around the 90s when Britpop was big. Blur <laughs> had a music video about, was it like this, like, not this charming man, but it was like, he lives in a house, a very big house in the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. got Phil Daniels in it. Yeah, I yes. I think I just remembered this film as being that music video. <laughs> and talking about the film, you go, yeah, it may as well have been a music video for but, all the like, sense of it. So the... Um, right. The so the the Britishness, Englishness in particular. Everyone, everyone in the film is constantly speaking very proper English. Like Queen's and English. Somehow I don't understand a fucking word of it. I had to. Like turn my camera on, flip it around into selfie mode to check if the left side of my face wasn't drooping because but... I was worried <laughs> I'd have a fucking stroke at some point. I felt I felt the same way watching the Gentleman. It wasn't by... understanding English anymore. I felt the same way watching the Gentleman by Guy Ritchie. I was like, does do I speak English? What is what, like <laughs> this this caricature of the English gentleman has yeah. gone way beyond anything I I recognise anymore. But I don't. I don't know. It's like people think Englishness is something that it has never been. Uh, whatever. So let's try and uh, let's try and get to some semblance of where we were supposed to be. So Sean Connery, because this is a film about Englishness, of course the villain is the weather. What do British people talk about all the time? The weather. We're always mourning about it. So obviously the villain is that incarnate. It's a man. <laughs> Who manipulates the weather? So all Brit- <laughs> all British people go. Oh, I just don't know where I am. I'm I'm obsessed with the weather, and now it can change it to the drop of a hat, and so we're all in danger. <laughs> do I need my bumbershoot today? I don't know. 
we better pay the we better pay the man his money or it'll be inclement. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's 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 a man there's a man who's been investing in science to create. He basically Sean Connery's in charge of a bit of a business that has the ability Probably. to. Yeah, probably. He's, see, you don't want me to say Bumbershoot, but you could just go, Brolly, get it right. <laughs> but Sean Connery's in charge of a bunch of scientists. He's an illegal scientist who are essentially going to terrorise the world with their ability to manipulate the weather as they choose. They can make weather happen in its own little personal biome. So they've been trying to, they've been perfecting this ability slash science. And so because they're an evil spectre-like organisation, they have board members and scientists who are part of the group, but they want to remain anonymous, and this is the way that they decide to have meetings so that no one knows who they all are, oh, is to dress up as giant, different coloured teddy bears, with, <laughs> and they all sit around a desk, including Sean Connery, in teddy bear costumes. <laughs> and they... they this- they can't talk this, though. They can't. They can raise. The, they can raise their hand and point, but they can't like speak yeah, through their. The, but the the yes. teddy bear thing did bring about my favourite moment of this film, and that's when, I think, uh, Peel and Steed are going up in a lift one way, and a bear is going down the other way, and the bear just points like you. <laughs> just powerless in a lift. So I. Again, I was familiar with this film as a thing that existed and was bad, but somehow I had always managed to escape any mention of people dressed as giant teddy bears in it. The first time, like, you I, do not expect it. Even though it's silly, you're not I expecting a conference, no co- a conference room full of teddy bears. Yeah. I, I literally had no clue this was coming. As I was starting it, Someone in the group chat that we use made a joke about furries, and I was like, "What? What's that got to do with the Avengers?" So it clicked whenever the film suddenly and unceremoniously just cuts to a boardroom full of giant teddy bears. Yeah, and I went, "What happened? <laughs> Where did this come from?" And then one of them takes its head off, and it's just a tiny Sean Connery head in this <laughs> big, weird, bulky bear costume. And he just carries on doing the scene. Yeah. And then murders two guys. Well, this <laughs> is this, going on? this is the other odd thing. It's already it, it cuts to it out of nowhere, and you just go like afterwards. You're like, I mean, I guess you can't. The the anonymity of it is like, okay, you can't tell if it's a man or <laughs> woman. Ask. Yeah, like have a have a have a Skype call, or maybe not a Skype call. They couldn't do that back then. But maybe not meet in person, or send a representative, or. Yeah. But like, you can't tell if they're women or men or what size or, or color they are. So like, inside you can be whoever. But then as soon as you speak, do you have to mask your voice? Ah, no, the teddies don't speak. They just gesture. <laughs> Except Sean Connery, who's wearing a teddy bear costume and then reveals what he looks like anyway. So why was he dressed as a teddy bear? <laughs> but the the, baff- the the other baffling thing about it, so uh, while he's giving this boring talk to the... Bo- like, basically saying, you're all either with me or you can opt out. Now you can opt out and not be part of the evil science team. Um, 
And then he has this, like, brooch lapel of, like, I don't know, it looks like darts or a leak or something. Yeah. And then two people, two of the teddy bears, raise their hands, they want to leave and call, call like, they're, they're out of the Dragon's Den meeting or whatever. And then, so he has this brooch that conveniently only has two darts in. If anyone else had raised their hand, I don't know how he would have instantly <laughs> darted them. But then they're wearing teddy bear costumes. The dart shouldn't even prick their skin, should it? And then everyone, all the other teddies yeah. look a little bit shocked, but fundamentally don't care that two people at the desk have been murdered. Well, no, you don't know if they care or not, because you maybe, can't see their faces. Maybe they're horrified, but they they also don't want to be killed, so they stay looking like dead-eyed teddy bears. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I will say, Anthony, at this point, this is when I went... This is why Anton here showed us this film the first time. <laughs> now I know. Do you have any thoughts on the teddy bear's picnic? Um, I I think you've said it all, really. Um, I will say, like this this scene and like the the next kind of scene where they're kind of walking around the corridors and like teddy bears oh. are going into doors, going up lifts and stuff. This Fucking... feels the most like the TV show. Really? It's... Yeah. Kind of. like... I see what you mean. Like, they would have had the budget to like, have some costumes of people to look like teddies. But that would have been that would have been the gimmick of the week. Mm. Yeah. It's that they are dressed like teddies. It... Is it a reference to an episode? Is that why it's here? I bet it is. I don't know that much. I don't it... feel like this film is that well researched. Well, <laughs> apparently... There's a there's a few things in the film, and I know I only know this from IMDb trivia, so whether or not it's accurate, I don't know. But like, there are things in the film that are references to the show. Like, I think the the whole storyline with the doppelganger Emma Peel is uh, from an episode, and so so, I like maybe that's what it is. But but also, apparently the the chess moves they're doing. Uh, whenever Peel and Steel Steed fucking, who cares <laughs> Uma Thurman Ooh. and Ray Fiennes are playing chess, the chess moves are the ones from Blade Runner where um, Batty and, and uh, JF and um, fuck yeah, oh, Roy Batty and JF that... yeah, yeah, but the, also the, the fucking guy, the father the <clears throat> guy who created Roy Batty. Oh God, oh, I'm ashamed of Giant myself. glasses. Um, yes. God, I can't believe ah. I they, they stole. Name, they but... stole the chess moves from from a better movie. Yeah, but Fuck all, all you for taking something <laughs> like that from Blade Runner. I hated the way they played as well. Where like Uma Thurman is doing the investigation and playing chess without looking at the chessboard, and Ray Fiennes is doing all the moves. And you go. Why you, this is such a shortcut way to say, oh, they're genius intellects because they can play chess without concentrating. And oh, it's just, just fu- anyone who knows where queen to rook three is on the board without seeing it can fuck right off. And it's, it's also like it, it takes one of the most important and, and like interesting and resonant parts of Blade Runner and just turns it into a shit joke about how clever these two English people are. And it, oh, Tyrell. That's his name, Eldon Tyrell. Um, but oh fuck it, made, that just made me angrier because I fucking love Blade Runner. Mm. Uh, like it's one of my favourite uh. films, and it made me furious that they were referencing it in this film 
which makes no sense. Well, so, Where's the... yeah, the joy, I like Blade Runner. It's like <laughs> fucking all right. <laughs> it's not. It's not because that's not like a spy movie per se, is it? No. Um, but okay. So obviously, we're getting a sense that Jamie was fucking furious. But where were you guys, uh, Anthony? Were you were you, you just like happily amused again and baffled? You you know you don't seem to have the same anger as Jamie, at least. No, I mean, I, I, I no longer have like the first time anger. Because, you know, I saw this when I was, I saw this when I was young. I think you this is like the third, third, maybe fourth time I've seen this film. Um, honestly, I was just getting bored by this point. At this stage, having seen it so many yeah. times, it's like, this is not one for rewatching. <laughs> Sorry, bud. It's I, yeah. I, I was getting bored. First time. Like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Like, oh. Also, with my reactions to stuff like this in general, and I assume I reacted the first way earlier. You know those goats that go stiff when they're afraid. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I react to stuff like this. Where I'm not angry. I just sort of go into rigor mortis until it's over. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's a point it's... where you, you, you start taking notes and you've got, you got so many of your notes end with question marks, you start to go lose the will to care anymore. <laughs> it's it's one of those films where the only... Because I don't even remember where things happen. Because is it after the teddy bears that they go back to his mansion? And well, they have a... There's a, there's a bit of a... Something? There's a bit of a fight with the teddy, so... I hated that. It was so shit. It was so smart. Like, the thing, if you're going to... Okay, you've set up these stupid teddy bear costumes, and there's a little bit of chasing them and finding them, uh, so that Uma Thurman and Ray Fine split up, and one goes high, one goes low, and then... But, like, Uma Thurman basically gets a teddy bear jumping out the sky at her, and I think she punches the head off and finds out that it's her. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Fucking hell. Poor what? Uma Thurman. Pff, fighting herself again. Abby, any anything? Uh, it goes goes in the following. Bears, yellow and green bears, bow out. They're browsing the weather biomes. They're finding bodies. Then there's uh, Sean Ryder, Teddy fight with a twin. Then it's St. Swithin's Day. There's blue clouds. They're testing the machine. Uh, St. Swithin's Deed. Day? <laughs> they they find out that that's the day that everything's going to blow off. Yeah. No, no. I mean, uh, what what the fuck is Saint Swithin's Day? <laughs> I don't Saint Swithin's Day already. Tis replied out Helga. <laughs> Jesus. That's all I know. Is Saint Swithin Saint Swithin's Day is a fucking Simpsons joke from the early nineties. <laughs> oh. uh, isn't it like? Isn't it like one of those like Groundhog Day things about like if something happens, then the weather's going to be terrible for like a oh. month or something? Oh, it's all very odd, Almighty. It's relevant to the film you see. So yeah, we do nice. get we get a little show and tell of the biomes. That was important, I guess, to showing that the film's going to conclude what? with weather. It was throws a nut. Then there's the sorry, sorry, sorry. The choke throws a nut. <laughs> Steed calls her out for being a nutcase. Then there's a chess metaphor. Then there's blind croquet. Wait, wait, wait. Then no, there's no. Robot wasps. Robot. Oh my god. Right. We we pick up oh. at robot wasps. What? Wh- why? Steed thinks she's crazy because she fought a teddy bear version of herself. No, he didn't see the doppelganger. Yeah. He so can he only take the word for it, and he's starting to think that maybe she's she's just got a split personality or something. It would be better what? if they explained it that way. 
Like, what? <laughs> well, you shot me earlier, so I don't trust you. And now, oh, now you're God. telling me also, you fought yourself. A, they're on a bus at one point. A double decker. Oh, because like the spi- like like the Spice Girls, their their mode of transport <laughs> and their secret uh, base is a bus. A bit, you know. We've had the phone booth. We've had a, a oh. English village. We've had umbrellas, and we've had. We have to have a big red bus in there. I'm surprised Jesus. they didn't have a black cab. And they did blow up Big Ben as well. So yeah, and, and I think we went. It was ice cold in Trafalgar Square for one scene. You got to tick these um, postcard imagery off the list. You see, so they're they like are the bases of a bus. Britishness bingo. Yeah, it was. Oh my yeah. god, the bingo card. It could be so big. There's so many. <laughs> like ten minutes okay, in, you just I, like line. <laughs> I missed the episode that was done on Spice World. Does it make more sense than this? The Spice World. Um, yes, there was less to it, but what did happen made sense. No, they're, they're e- equally there's baffling bits. What's particularly weird about Spice World is they invent a, f- a, a friend of the Spice Girls who was just some Asian woman who they're all friends with equally, <laughs> who has nothing to do with it. Like they just it, Spice Girls also has aliens in as well, so I wouldn't say it made more oh, sense. Oh yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, different different kettle of British fish, I would say. Different uh, kettle of kippers for St. Swithin's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We but, already talked about the robot wasps. No, no, we we oh, let's no, we talk to, about the robot wasps. We talked about that before we started. So, oh, sorry. Eddie Izzard yeah. is in a mini ah. with Sean Ryder, and the mini. <laughs> this isn't some drug trip they had. I don't think this happened in the film. They. Are, are the henchmen who are after the good guys. And the obvious thing to do when you have the power of weather is equip your henchmen with a, a swarm of giant metal wasps. This isn't Dr. Robotnik. This is Eddie Hissad <laughs> and Sean Ryder in a mini. And the controller we mentioned is stupid. But it's like some kind of weird... like It looks like a kind of peg-based board game oh, with loads of... What the fuck was that thing? There's there's no screen to tell you whether it's not like um, no. there's no screen or they could not have like it's not like a drone where you can at least tell where the thing is from yeah. a camera. They I literally didn't know what he, was doing. he just holds it in his lap and all these little module like little analogy sticks and light up things swivel and the oh. bees swarm and shoot our heroes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. And then the way they're defeated, this must be incredibly expensive. Richie Rich, <laughs> Richie Rich's private inventor only had one magical mechanical wasp, and it was you oh. know very expensive. But this is a swarm of giant wasps. It, just, um, it makes me think of Lawnmower Man. Wow. I mean, don't make me think of it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, like, it, all it, it's right, better than this. Uh, maybe. No, I don't know. It is. I don't, it's well, bad. It's better than this. At least Pierce Brosnan's got his tits out for most of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm just considering how much better this would have been if Ralph Fiennes just did his pants. 100%. Uh, Apparently, also, a bit of trivia, Mel Gibson, one of the actors, considered for John Steed, so that would have been fucking... Oh, why not? At this point. (laughs) Fuck it, why not? Why the fuck not? But the the way that the the way like so the bee the wasps aren't very good at killing these people, 
Um, no. surprise, they got the gun. The gun, like the basically one of the giant wasps crashes into the car that the Avengers are in, and Ray finds wrestles with it like it's a bunch of pots and pans, smashes it up a bit, <laughs> and then gets the gun out of the wasp, the machine gun, and sh- machine guns all the other wasps, and they all just disappear off. I think, or maybe there is a radar that shows all the blips going away where all the wasps have failed. And then, like, am I right in thinking that an old woman with a machine gun kills some of the henchmen, including Sean Ryder? The same old woman from the start. The because all old women must be secretly amazing. I, I don't know what's well, the she's, what's the idea she's there. She's part of the ministry, I think. Right. And I think she was originally supposed to be played by because uh, Patrick Mc, uh, is it McGee? McGee? Or McNee, the guy from the original Avengers. McNee, yeah. He plays the invisible guy, because fucking, okay. And then this woman was supposed to be played by Diana Rigg, I think? Or one of... What's... Who played Emma Peel? Diana Rigg played Emma Peel. They went through um, a couple of different female companions, but she was, like, the first... Because it was the 60s and women were considered less than men, so it didn't matter if that the, the sidekick was consistent. Um, but, yeah, anyway, one of the originals from, like, the, the female companions, I guess, from the show was supposed to be this old woman, but when they asked, she just kind of went, nah, don't, nah. Good for her. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. Respective. What? What what I don't yeah. get is if this is littered with references to the TV show, like the TV show, you would have watched one a week, and it would have been a long time ago. Like, who is the fan base for this going? Ah, like Doctor Who fans, they might watch something and be like, ah, it's a reference to that old episode or this old. Ep-. But no fucker is like going watching yeah. the Avengers in the nineties, going, oh, I remember this <laughs> from that episode. Oh, the, the, they wrote in. The, I'm so glad they put in the robot bees. You like. <laughs> What, like I know who it, is enjoying you know what this. It actually kind of reminds me of is because it, it um there was a there was a period of like in the nineties uh, premature nostalgia for things that weren't old enough. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it makes me think of the mid nineties Doctor Who with what's his name Paul McGann that like seven people watched because no one gave a shit about Doctor Who at that point. Incidentally, and then whenever <laughs> incidentally we did a review on it because Abby was one of those people. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, I was, yeah, I I remember watching it and I didn't care about Doctor Who in the nineties. It was just on. Yeah. Um, but and it's it's the same thing. It's like, hey, remember this weird show from back in the day? And most people went, no, not really. We were <laughs> and didn't care. Yeah. Um, and this is another example of of that. Like, I feel like if this film had never been made in the in the nineties. There could be a decent Avengers film now, in, or I, like in, in recent years. Like case, now, it's been long enough. Case in point, right? I've slagged off Guy Ritchie for not understanding what England is, even though he is English and lives there most of the time. Well, maybe some of the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, old uh, old Guy Ritchie. He did do the Man from Uncle, like he re- and that that was, oh, that was like cracking. that was like a modern take on the old Man from Uncle series, like. 
it was good, and it, there was, it wasn't like I heard it. Yeah, it, it wasn't going to blow your mind, but it was the right way to do it. I feel like Guy Ritchie could maybe have done the Avengers. It would be better than him coming up with his own things, which is like offensively awful and needlessly attack. Like the trouble really with Guy Ritchie is he gets all like confused as to what's good about his films, and he starts writing. <laughs> he starts writing chess metaphors and overusing yeah. the word cunt, and he and putting everyone in stupid claws. <laughs> and you go, oh, come on, Guy Ritchie. You, you used to be able to do this. You stop, hey, stop hey, it. Hey, hey. What? Wrong show. What's, this is the Avengers only. But I'm just saying, a guy Ritchie yeah. could probably have made, remade I the Avengers. Think I haven't seen The Man from Uncle, but I heard that it was good. And I do, hmm. again, I think now that we're in an era where everything is on the internet and people can just discover older things or rediscover older things, yeah, it's a it is a good time for like revisiting some stuff that could be done better now that it's easier to be familiar with it. Um, but at the, also, case, at the I mean, time, it wasn't the case. Yeah, and it. But the film acts like it was. It's like, hey, you remember this, right? Like, fucking no. <laughs> and even us like, now, even us now, with access to all the old shows of the past, still have no clue if they reference stuff from the show or not. <laughs> not really. Could have looked it up. Didn't. <laughs> we've brought. Eddie has had up a couple of times, but I, f- I want to talk about him a little bit more in this film because this was early in when he started appearing in films, um, yeah. and like you said, you said before, like he's been in a bunch of stuff at this point, and he's in... sometimes he's. Oh. So sometimes he's just Eddie Izzard. Sometimes he's really good because he's perfectly cast. Like Velvet Goldmine is a is a good example of where he's great. Um, yeah. Like he's like sometimes he is asked to actually act. Like he turns up in Valkyrie, and he's just uh, you know a, a a Nazi who's not meant to be yeah. that big a deal. He's just a character. Yeah, and but he generally whenever he's in something, he's he's fine. Like he's not yeah. a bad actor. Right. Um, but it definitely like this. I think it. He's he's trying to do something with his henchman character. Apparently, he had more lines, and he's he. It was his decision to have them cut because he thought it would be more effective if he's just silent. Um, uh, he looks like a thug from the original Randall and Hopkirk deceased. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, he's like it's weird because obviously he's famous for being like um, like he kind of dresses not androgynously but like he he he's not he never goes full transvestite he's always a bit of a mix up of what he feels like and in this he's he just looks a little bit like oh maybe you're into glam rock in your heyday or something like he's just a, his hair's a little bit odd but he's not like yeah, a woman he's got or that, anything yeah like mod ish haircut yeah i don't know it's odd like uh, the whole thing is like I don't know, he's just sort of there. But he's and not again, a character. He's, he's not like an insane villain or henchman. No. He's, but he still but, gets a climactic scene for some reason where he fights off I will, uh, a, a good guy. I will, I will say, in in uh, like props to him for his physicality in that fight scene, because they put him in the most difficult and stupid possible scenario for a fight scene, where he's having to fight Uma Thurman on balancing on some fucking wires or something. Dangling from a bauble, it, a bauble just, inside a weather machine. Yes, it looks like it would have been fucking horrendous to film. And not only that, when he dies, there is the worst ADR fucking dubbed in line <laughs> of... Someone who is clearly not Eddie Izzard, 
going, oh, fuck, <laughs> as he, before he falls. Also, th- this whole film has been PG to this point, really. And I yes. don't know why you'd throw that in all of a sudden. But also, if you're going to give Eddie Izzard's, at this point, silent character a single line, and it's that before he dies, make the most of the fact that it's fucking Eddie Izzard, who has a very specific voice and way of speaking and delivery. So don't fucking dub it in with some guy who just happened to be the fucking cleaner who was still in the building at the time when you were cutting this together. Can you just come over here and say, oh, fuck, into the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> like, give him, put the camera on him as something is about to kill him and let him deliver, like, a, an Eddie Izzard cell. Oh, fuck. And then kill him. Don't. It's just a, it encapsulates everything that's shit about the film. There's just fucking bumbles something easy. It also well, what even happens after the chase? Yeah, good point. The maze. Go on, Anthony. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> Is that before or after? I hope he was a baddie. Cocky little bastard. Oh, after. That's just, just after. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, the oh that peacock camera. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a peacock camera. Fuck it. Where even are they? Doctor Robotnik's lab. Okay, I think the following notes have baffled me. Maze catacombs punch attempted rape raffle ticket forced entry. <laughs> oh my god! I forgot about the bit where he drugs her and nearly rapes her. Fucking hell. So what goes on in the maze, first of all? They get split up, and Emma Peel falls down a ridiculous hole, um, and then Steed's just kind of, like, wandering around outside. Um, oh, but then he fights he Sean have, Connery, doesn't he? Yeah, he does have a uh. confrontation with Sean Connery, um, pointlessly. And then yeah, I mean, oh, Sean Connery makes himself... He, like, he knocks or throws the umbrella up in the air, and then he vanishes because Steed has looked <laughs> at the umbrella. Is that right? And where, where did yep. the the hole put Uma Thurman inside the mansion? Is it? Yeah. How are they when, back like, at the mansion? Well, they're investigating him. Yeah. But why did she yeah, go down that's a hole? Cold, in the... We don't know either. Why even have a garden maze bit if if you like? So presumably she fell into the trap of the bad guys, and then she's it. She's trapped in the impossible room. Is that right? What? Yeah. yeah. Like. Like she she gets drugged, and then Sean Connery is like perving over her. Yeah, and he's like, on the he gets... bed, and he starts getting things ready. And then mm. the old lady knocks on the door and says, "That was it. That was the other thing that I think the film was making an actual joke that I laughed at was when she uh, invites him to a raffle and says there's going to be a tombola. And I don't know why, but that bit of Britishness was a little bit more niche than the rest of them. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, that's ah, true. That's- that's an actual joke about British, uh, like, events. Yeah, if you um, if you had mentioned, like, Whack the Rat or something, yeah. you'd be like, oh, that's an actual... Now you're British. This isn't the cliché shit. Unfortunately, it comes immediately after an implied almost rape scene. <laughs> Sean Connery is oh. fond of being in that predicament in films. Though. He, yes, that's true. As a, as, a, as a James Bond essay writer, that's quite a familiar scenario. <laughs> At least in this film, it's played as negative. Possibly in real life, based on how he, misogynistic he comes across. <laughs> <It's about women. laughs> 
<laughs> while Sean Connery's giving them the last word. Um, anyway, alleged um, character assessment aside, Anthony, you were saying this is the bit. So Uma Thurman falls in the maze hole, and Ooh. then is she she's nearly raped, but she's trying to escape down the corridors, and then we get the impossible it's room, House of Usher. Mm. But it's oh, House of Usher, isn't it? Is that Usher? Yeah, I don't know why it followed the House of Usher. Something completely different. Yeah, that'd be like the R and B guy, wouldn't it? Diff- different. Like the Escher, it, look, who fucking cares? It's it, it's a corridor. It's a, you're, Uma Thurman is in an impossible. Like she's running down some staircases and running between rooms, and they go round and round in circles. And it, like, what annoyed me, right, is I was I was th- I was thinking, oh, if you're in like a, a scenario where every time you run out of a room, you appear to run into the same room, you, you like, oh, you should break something. And then you can tell where you whether you've been on in yeah. it or not, and whether or whether it's a different room. And she does that, and then she impossibly comes. She runs off one door and comes straight back in. You go, no, th- that think, can't happen in real yeah, life. This um, this whole sequence was from an episode, I think. Mm. Which is why I was having a fucking most... episode watching this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know whether, like, was the implication that this is happening because she's been drugged and she's just not, oh, and the that, film just yeah. isn't clear about anything? Oh, no, no, I, no. I, Do you I think remember, so? Uh, I, I, I remember that episode oh. particularly, and it I was it's uh, one of the... because they were they were like under the influence of like hallucinogens and stuff. Okay, and I think that's kind what of what tr- they're trying to imply yeah. here, but it. it it's not psychedelic enough. Well, it's not, not only that, enough. but up until this point, the film has been so fucking weird. And it, like, this is this is well after the fucking teddy bear meeting. Uh, yeah. So don't expect me to assume she's hallucinating because at this point, yeah. I, I might have been. <laughs> like, well, the, well, this is the thing. Okay, if you're like off your head on drugs, maybe you're walking down a staircase and it impossibly seems like you've come up a staircase at the same time. Obviously, like as a visual illusion, that can happen because you could draw it like that. But in real life, you can't walk down and upstairs at the same time. So when she gets well, trapped... The thing is that... Like, she, she, she's, she's stuck there, but then what? to show that it isn't an illusion... Ray Fiennes, who is just outside, notices that one of the windows of the mansion looks a bit weird, and then taps it. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so she t- he taps it, and then oh, Uma, Thur- Uma Thurman happens to be in the room and hears the gentle tapping on the window, so she can break out and like oh, discover. Oh, she throws herself through the mirror. Yeah. So it's like, but what a coincidence that the man who helped like there was no reason for like they didn't know they were both in separate scenarios that are next to each other. It just, oh, look, I'm just going to interrupt it for the convenience of the plot. They end up at the mansion at two separate points in the film and are, like, individually captured and then escape by the film just cutting to the next scene where one of them's at the other one's flat. (laughs) Like, because that's what happens here. Like, she wakes up in his flat. I mean... And they're like... No, we're fine. Abby, Abby, I'm sure your notes, they were so helpful for understanding the film previously. Reel off another random few things that happened so we know where we are again. Right. Asher staircases, blackjacked, Mrs. Peel arrested, invisible man, General Jones, cloning program, hijacking world meeting, kill globe. (laughs) Ah, the globe. 
kill what was the kill can you say the can you... He decides to fully kilt himself in order to make demands. Fully tilt himself. Kilt kilt. Kilt. What's kilt mean? Oh, he puts on a kilt. <laughs> Sean yeah, Sean Connery. No reference to them getting away from his building scot free. No. no reference they're just not there anymore. I need to put I need to put on my Scottish wear. I must become Scotland the man. <laughs> so whenever he does that speech at what I presume is like the UN meeting or something, I don't fucking know. The film doesn't say it's just a bunch of leaders in a room. How do you even but... get how do you even get them on the route all on the same call? Does the people you haven't terrorized them yet, have you? Or does he started off somewhere? No, oh, I think they I think they're having an unrelated meeting maybe oh. uh, it doesn't matter it does not matter um, but why does he put on a kilt like arch, oh. like like gen- he genuinely like I'll just put on my clothes ah oh, there we go like why showmanship ah oh, there we go you robbed me of my Batman forever quote go on just the way he says showmanship showmanship oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. um uh, again, though, that's a better film than this one, and it's shit. Um, so yeah. the he gives this whole speech, and again, credit to Sean Connery, he's at least trying to be a you know a big, larger-than-life villain in this scene. And I, uh, like, I was, I was almost entertained by this scene, and it may be that I was so exhausted and worn down by the rest of the film at this point that fucking anything seemed entertaining by comparison um but he gives this whole speech and he picks up his i don't think it's called like his cane it's not called a shillelagh that's an irish thing um but anyway he picks it up and there's this big globe next to him and i was like oh you know this is like he's gonna hit it and it's gonna shatter and it's gonna be like a cool you know it's you know it's a hollow ceramic thing and it'll just go and because i'm like at this point the film just please give me something that's visually interesting or cool and the idea of him smashing this big antique globe was cool so he hits it and it comes off the fucking thing and this cgi globe flies directly at the camera and i dig my fingernails (laughs) into my hairline and the skin and i pull my face off (laughs) one motion And my bear skull <laughs> screams at my laptop. Your bear skull? Is this like you are in the man costume when you're actually a teddy bear? <laughs> of all the things to make you lose your rag, that doesn't seem the biggest offender to me. It's just as it was the fucking... It was the straw that carry on. <laughs> yeah. So, Sean Connery is holding the world to ransom because he can control the weather. And he decides to make it snow in Trafalgar Square. I'm sure the pigeons were all gutted. Um, I'm sure it happened before. Why does that matter? Oh, but it's a lot of snow. You know how the British are. One day of yeah, snow. That's, yeah. One day of <laughs> snow, we're all fine. Two days of snow, we're in a helly ice skate. We're in a, a hellish ice storm, and we must shut down all public transport and forgive an in. An inch of snow essentially has the same effect on the UK as the COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah we but at least snow melts. That's the only yes. the only plus. Like, I, but it is. Go on, Abby. My notes. 
Mother finds out. Tracking watch. Hot air balloon. Nelson's column explosion. Passionless kiss. Zorbing across the river. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the fucking zorbing. Oh my god. <laughs> the, the, the fake zorbing as well. Like it's like yeah, an actual... They'd, they'd have to... You'd have to run like a little ch- child like <laughs> on all fours to make them actually work. But instead they fake zorb. Where you stand up impossibly in- straight and smug. The most impractical way they could possibly get there. Why does um, why do they no. even need to zorb? Is something flooded? I, <laughs> Is it, I think it's just because it's the nineties. Mm. Um, it, um, I do want to talk about the. There's a really. Oh, this is because this is where uh, mother gets tipped over in the snow. Because and yes. fuck it, they just leave it there. Um, the hot air balloon sequence where Uma Thurman awkwardly fights herself, and then the the good Uma Thurman falls off the balloon, and I thought, well, because John Steed's looking for her in Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square, and I thought, oh. So she's gonna fall at the right time, and like he's gonna catch her, or she'll land on him. Or no, she just fucking lands on a con- like a statue of a lion. <laughs> she fell hundreds of feet, and mm. the film makes no reference to the fact that she's lying on a stone statue. And he goes, "You're all right," and she goes, "Yes." Yes. <laughs> and she's, she's I landed in the fu- snow afterwards, so it's fine. The. The hot air balloon just seems to go off course and crash. What happened? Well, you forget that all British action movies have to have a sequence in a hot air balloon, possibly featuring <laughs> Big Ben as well. Like, you know, I feel like it happens a lot. Basil, the great mouse detective, strike, strike, comes to mind. I feel like yeah, either the, the, the Rocketeer or... Sorry? Oh, that is yeah, great. Yeah. It's a fantastic fight scene. Yeah, this one was below par. But I feel like a lot of the time, big balloon, hot air balloons or zeppelins that come into play where bad guys have to crash them uh, in the climactic sequence. I just feel like it's another tick box. Yeah, it just happens. And they're like, oh, well, that takes care of Father unceremoniously and the clone of Emma Peel, who I guess never did anything. We also didn't talk about the fact that at one point she's in a fucking padded room acting like she's gone insane. No, oh, yeah, they keep her locked up for a bit. Why? What was happening? I don't know. Is it because they thought she had split personality and had gone mental or something? But then she was acting like she was actually mental until they let her out, at which point she was better. I don't even remember. <laughs> I just, she's not in there for very long. I don't... I think, <sighs> I, I think it's just to keep up appearances... It's like they didn't want to quite at that moment reveal that they were the bad guys, so they imprisoned her. Because... But they also left her out. Like, the same people take her out of there. So why put her in there in the first place? Pass. <laughs> but we, we get this... There's a, there's, you know, uh, it's so it's one of the more boring bit. Considering there's loads of like weather disasters, a hot air balloon crashes, a clone fight potentially happened, uh, and then you know you have someone plummet to the ground, and then you have the most frigid kiss ever with some yeah. of the most cheesy mm-hmm. fucking jokes about. Like, do, how do I know it's the real you? Well, I'm gonna smooch you really boringly, and then does that convince you? I'm still thinking about it. Oh, fucking die! You awful cunt! <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously you're going to imply get another kiss out of this, but fuck! Yeah. Why are they even kissing? 
there's no sexual tension or chemistry no. or they don't really build they I don't even think in the show they were a couple, were they? They there's, no. there's a vague tension, I think, now and again, but not really. They never like Like flirting in the workplace though. but we're not a couple, definitely, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. Not I, even I, not even to the like James Bond and Moneypenny level of flirting. So frigid kissing, anyone got any thoughts on the kissing and the jokes and ha ha ha? Let us press our lips together, but make sure you keep your mouth firmly closed. I don't know how, like, they must have worked so hard to kiss that badly. (laughs) (laughs) And if they were going for the comedy thing, that didn't work either. No, is the director, who is, you know, presumably not British, (laughs) saying like, okay, uh, no, he's from Canada. Is he saying like, okay, now kiss... Kiss each other like British people, and Ray Fiennes is like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean entirely repressed? The only sexual activity—the yeah. only sexual activity we ever have—is being spanked by nanny, and that's it. <laughs> like we, we have no like we're just raw, but missionary position to create children, and then passionate, non non in love with each other kisses like it's legal. It's like. The kissing is that of we have to because we're getting married, and it's yes. the vicar has just said to kiss the bride, but never again. Um, it, and then the zorbing happened. I do you know I mean, why do they zorb? Does anyone know, know why they zorb? No, it's just to get the across weather. a bit of water. Yeah, the weather is is freaky. How will they get there in a boat? Why will no. they use a boat? Yeah, presumably zorbing actually makes them more vulnerable to the weather. Like, there's fucking tornadoes on the Thames. At this like, point, open the umbrella and fly like Mary, fly like Mary Poppins, because yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. Really yeah, teleport. The, fucking who cares? The only reason I could think of is stealth, but <laughs> they were immediately seen. Sneaking, so. sneaking in, a, in a zorb. <laughs> Ball. That's the most fucking Hideo Kojima thing you could have in it. It's like a Metal Gear Solid thing where it's like, no, this is a sneaking mission. Get in a cardboard box and <laughs> shuffle through this area. I don't know. Oh, God. It, oh. So they zorb, uh, they zorb where? To fight to Sean Connery the, and Eddie Izzard in the weather machine? Guards? No, no to his- he's... Secret island in the middle oh. of the Thames. A secret yeah. island on the Thames. That would be inconvenient. <laughs> inconvenient. I believe I refer to it as the weather bunker. Didn't didn't Paul Daniels live on like an island with Debbie McKee? <laughs> <laughs> no, in the middle of water. When they when they had successfully zorbed the river, they then found dead teddies in the snow, which is As much funnier than it should have been. It, it, it should have been more funny finding... What, so people, these other scientists were just continuing to wear the teddy bear suit, and they do discover one. Oh, he looks a bit like Albert Einstein. Oh no, it's one of the scientists. He was he they, was a fission scientist who was needed for the weather machine. Pointless fucking callback with the red phone box, and she gets in with him, and they're like, "Oh, dear me, I seem to have an erection." <laughs> like, it, it, like, <laughs> Don't I, worry, I just... a good thrashing with a slipper will see that away. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. Um, at this point, I made a Simpsons reference earlier to the the Saint Swithin's Day thing, but at this point, do you remember the episode? Where it starts at the the cider place, and Ned starts explaining 
the different types of cider to Homer, and it stings to his brain. And you hear his brain say, oh, you can stay, but I'm leaving. And then the, like, transparent <laughs> image of his brain with a slide whistle sound effect just, like, moves away from his head <laughs> and goes off screen. And then Homer just collapses. <laughs> that was me at this point in this film. Oh. Like, I was just lying straight yeah. in bed with a laptop on my stomach. And my eyes had gone in two different directions. How can the film have had this much shit in it and not been entertaining, though? Like, it was like still tedious. It's, a, it's also only an, it's, it's only an hour and 29 minutes. Not even an hour and a half long. So... And it just crams all of this fucking bollocks in it. What? And then after all the fights and the quickening and Eddie's odd falling to his death, they have the nerve to have that James Bond ending where they're in that little life raft on the Thames and then they're in that fucking roof garden. They're in another... They're just... That's the thing, is they basically... Uma Thurman dangles on wires with Eddie Izzard to fight her way to... Is it the, some kind of controlling orb? Yeah, Inside something. the weather machine, is Turns it? Turns off the weather... And then Rafe finds does battle with Sean Connery in the rain, in, inside the machine or something as well. That looked like fuck misery to film as well. I I hate being wet in clothes, and I well you would just, in fairness you must have been drawn uh, into the film if it was annoying you by it must have affected you, Jamie. My <laughs> my brain had kind of become it's almost as if the film opened my third eye, and the film was. <laughs> <laughs> the film was like feeding into my consciousness at this point. I, I like, so I was feeling what they did. You seem more like a concerned parent who you're watching the actors going, "Oh, poor them! They had to suffer through such such rubbish conditions to make such a pish load of shit." I think it is. I think I did. I like at this point, I'm just concerned for the actors because they're putting themselves <laughs> through so much for nothing. So. They like the quickening. Sean Connery's dead, and Uma Thurman. They they sort of okay. just twat. The, they do they twat the big orb into smashing at the last. Like she arbitrarily picks a wire that happens to be the right one to turn right. it all off. And, and then, like, how the film do they also act as if it's a callback to something that's happened before, but it isn't. Yeah. So I, I think they had this whole scene the wrong way round. I think they should have been fighting the other people. Oh right! Yeah, she should fight Sean Connery. Yeah, that yeah, because he because, fucking molested her and nearly raped her. Because they they each already had a confrontation with the other person. Um, um, Eddie Izzard tried like bungling uh, Peel into not Peel uh, Steed into like the back of a van, but he has to oh, fight yeah, him you're off. Right. And, you're right. And uh, and um, Peel's had like two confrontations with Sean Connery where he's just kind of like perving her. So it's like, well, shouldn't they be fighting the other people? Yeah, you're right, because the film, by when it gets to this point, it acts as if the person they're fighting, they have, like, a grudge with, but they've barely, inter- like, she's barely interacted with Eddie Izzard, and he's barely interacted with Sean Connery. Mm. Yeah, that's they true. act as if they've been rivals for the whole film. I'm yeah. pretty sure they just forgot, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just maybe Uma was like I don't want to be in another scene with Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably, especially a very physical one. <laughs> Where um, she wet as well. Yeah, no. But, yeah. <laughs> you just read in the script wet Sean Connery. No, no, no. We're gonna change this up. <laughs> 
Uh, how do they get in? So they get inside a different orb to escape. They get inside the. They it's get like plopped in the in the Thames. Thing. Sorry. It's like an escape pod thing. Yeah. Or I do want to say it was cool when Sean Connery got struck by lightning and didn't immediately die, but got carried up into the sky. <laughs> the camera. Exploding. That was one point where I was like, "Well, that's that's something. <laughs> something <laughs> happened." It's one way to go. That's wow. a way to go, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But Abby, I think you were touching upon the fact that the ending is such an anticlimax because they do the classic Bond thing of, well, we're alone, we're spies alone yeah. in in an orb, <laughs> At, we're safe, <laughs> but in the middle of nowhere, we can't be reached by anyone. Now's the perfect time to not have sex, but to cut away to a gazebo and pan out to the skyline where all the shit characters are reunited, and everyone goes. Ah, well, there it is, you know. And she uh, she turns down a macaroon, so she finally understands something. Macaron, mate, surely. No, it's a macaroon. Macaroon's a spoiler. Shut up, Rich. Uh, oh, I the... the, like, the right, like British bake-off time. Fight. <laughs> is it macaroon or macaroon? Oh, anyway, right, they have a mac... She turns down a macaron or macaroon. I don't, I don't like them. Who cares? They're very sugary. They're awful. Oh, no, no, no. Just but smash. That's why they smash them up and put them in an eaten mess. Because on their own, they're <laughs> shit. You have to you have to combine um, it with loads of other rubbishy desserts. I do want like the the whole end sequence in the weather station. Um, also, make, reminds me of how bad the music is in this film. Oh, it's because... like a shit nineties Bond music as well. Yes, like... it's all that brass like. And it's just fucking. And I was watching this with headphones on, so my teeth were coming out. We already like, know you've torn your hair out and possibly <laughs> crushed your eyeballs into your head. And by this point, I'm fairly sure Jamie was just a jaw on a neck. <laughs> <laughs> it and the the guy who did the music has done decent scores for like films before and since. So I think this this just broke a lot of the people who were making it. <laughs> like, everyone everyone felt like I did while they were in the midst of making this film. Apparently, I think I shared with you the... Uh, they premiered it in Phoenix, Arizona to a non-English-speaking audience and then were like, hmm, they didn't like it. We better recut it. Like, yeah, that was the problem. That was... <laughs> The perfect audience to absolutely understand all the references and culture it's come from. Why did why did they do that? And apparently the film was like cut two pieces, um, which is why it's so short. But I would also say I don't think that's why it's so incoherent. I think if it had been two hours long, it would be as if not more incoherent. Yeah, there's nothing you could add to it to make it better. No, it would just make it even worse. I think if if they hadn't cut it down to an hour and 29 and we had still done it for an episode, I would actually be dead at Ugh. this point. It would be even less than a jaw on, on a neck. <laughs> I just pulled my tongue out of my mouth far enough to wrap it around my throat and strangle myself <laughs> to death. Well, you know, Anthony and now me and Abby have watched this multiple times now, so I don't know, I you've only watched it once. Abby. So, shut up. I was so fucking angry when this film ended. <laughs> I was fucking... I just... Oh, I am now. Just think about uh, it. I'm 
so furious. As a British person, it offended oh. me a bit, but mostly it just baffled me. I was just, it wasn't that I was, I wasn't mad at the film. I just didn't understand why or who or what or, like everything <laughs> that's in it. There's moments where you're going, I kind of love that there's a teddy bear conference meeting. I kind of love that there's robot bees and Eddie Izzard. But it isn't. It doesn't all add up to something great. It's just this horrible mess of ideas, and it's, the smugness on display was tedious. It yeah. doesn't like it doesn't tap into that thing that I think. Um, oh, I still can't remember what it's fucking called the gentleman Kingsman. thing. The Kingsman, yeah. I feel like the Kingsman understood what the brief was as, as an idea more, isn't it? Because the Kingsman is like fairly badass, but slightly smug and British, isn't it? I, I yes, I, I think you're right in what you're saying. I think that it's slightly different. Well, no, no, you are right. Um, it's just it's both of them. I think both of them have that kind of like knowing humour, but it doesn't come off in this film. In this film, but it comes off better because they're not playing it so straight faced in. Um, in the Kingsman. Yeah, it's like they know, we know why you're here. We want to entertain you. Whereas the yeah. Avengers isn't sure why you're there. It's just <laughs> putting on something for you to watch. Maybe. The guy who directed this directed National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Well, that's nice. I guess. I, I, I don't understand whose idea this was. I feel like the director it wasn't like a project he was doing I feel like he was just hired to, onto an existing project because I feel like Well we're just back to it now this is, no, I'm no, sure no, you no, could like, mean, watch a documentary about the making of it or something I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out why it's so... You find it hard You find it hard to believe anyone would passionately want to make this I just don't, I'm trying to understand how it ended up like it did because it's like there's no consistent idea or direction behind it it's just this oh mess i have a theory go on this is based on nothing at all except the statistical probability that you know how sometimes everyone gets that they've had a three-picture deal and they have to make that third film so they can just oh yeah this is like a confluence where everybody had that so everyone was doing that (laughs) third film to fulfill their contracts they all just all they all were like, oh, we could do, we could all check this third film. We're all obligated to do off the list if we all agree. Let's just bash this out quickly. I, I feel sorry, you know, if if that's the case, like as if you can guess randomly. But I feel like I kind of feel sorry for the writers of the original Avengers because after this film comes out, you go, there's never going to be another film version of this. There's, this is definitely not having a sequel. This yeah, is going it- straight in the. Like tr- trash compactor forever. Like this is this may done. be the most efficient, brutal killing of a franchise I think I have ever seen. It's it <laughs> it's properly like it took the Avengers like intellectual property, hung it upside down by its feet, and slit its throat. <laughs> and you, you, this film is just watching it bleed to death for an hour and twenty nine minutes. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> like, plus, plus the fact that Marvel have come along and gone right. The word Avenger will will be it's, synonymous with Captain yeah. America at all. 
Disney have essentially bought the rights to the word Avengers at this point. So it just it um, came across the slit throat and corpse and gave it a good kicking and then buried it deep, deep within the ground. And said, rolled it into a ditch and covered it with leaves. Yeah. Um, but this film, apparently, this film drove the knife in first, didn't it? Apparently, David Fincher was direct, was interested in directing this film with Charles Dance as John Steed. Oh. So that's something else <laughs> could have happened. To be fair to Ray Fiennes, he has said that it's apparently a badge of honour to have a real flop on your resume, which I kind of get what he means as an actor to have something so spectacularly bad and also still have a career. Yeah. Like both him and Uma Thurman, even Eddie Izzard continued acting after this. I think you know you could see what uh, F- Ralph Rafe <laughs> Rafe finds you could see what Rafe finds was doing in this, and you go, see this kind of thing worked very well in Grand Budapest. Uh, no, is that what it's called? Yeah, Grand the Grand Budapest Hotel. You go, oh, take the kind of stiff, rigid Britishness, but then have this extra espionage character in the back. Like, it's not. The problem isn't anyone what anyone's doing. It's the fact that the whole project is a bad idea. That's the yeah. thing. I, that was something I meant to mention earlier on, is that Ralph Fiennes has done this shtick in other films, and it has landed beautifully. I don't understand what went so wrong. Yeah, it's. I think it's just the the people making the film were coming at it from the wrong perspective i think i like that's like my my metaphor i think is that it's a it's a british theme restaurant made by people from another country who have never been to britain and never met any british people and are blind and play croquet (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah, it's it's completely like like Englishness but lost in translation. Or yeah, something made by someone that's based on an existing property, but they have no familiarity with it at all. Like that, that is Wayne's what it is. You've just described it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the Wayne's World game on the Super Nintendo, which is oh, that's a reference. Everyone who listens to this will definitely get that reference. What? Everyone <laughs> who listens to this is. Fucking nerds in their thirties. There's a good chance that they will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I, I also have a metaphor. Good. It's when you buy. It's usually an appliance, but sometimes it's a piece of furniture, and you get the these those uh, instructions for putting it together that have been translated badly. <laughs> so it's saying stuff like take. Take leg, put into leg B hole. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry? Put it's also, the sentence is, put into leg B, full stop, hole, with a capital H, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like, where the individual words you could pick up and understand as English, but the grammar is so lost and confused that you, you just bewildered and sad when you read it. Insert Scottish actor into teddy bear costume. (laughs) (laughs) Then use darts to kill green and yellow teddy bear. Oh, God. I I don't know. I'm going to try and just say something because we're supposed to. Um, (laughs) I I haven't got an easy metaphor, but I guess because it's all Englishophile nonsense, 
all. It's a bit like someone going, "Oh, you like Britain, do you? Well, here's a crumpet smashed in your face and some <laughs> some cream tea in your eye. Bah, have some of this shit." And you just you're just being bombarded with like, "Oh, it's a it's a black pudding, it's a Yorkshire pudding as well." And it's like, "Yes, all right, enough. Please stop hitting me with British confectioneries and foods." It's like, do you remember whenever Stone Cold Steve Austin drove the beer truck in and sprayed everyone in the ring with beer? It's that, but it's tea. Yeah, and I'm being scolded. <laughs> I'm being scolded, and I'm also going, I don't like that you've got the milk mixed in. I'll decide how much milk I want. Oh, it burns, it burns. Please. And then I get stunned, and I'm glad that I'm unconscious. <laughs> Okay, yes, but it's being smashed endlessly in the face with British stereotypes and it's being perplexed and angered, but also confused. I don't know. Being punched in the head by William Regal with his brass knuckles on. Oh, that would, yeah, sure. Uh, it's being squished between Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. <laughs> oh, oh, uh. So, uh, uh, Anthony, it's over to you. <laughs> For me, like as an adaptation, it is it is totally missing the whole kind of sixties psychedelia fantasy element um, of it. I mean, it you know it tries like it's got fantastic stuff in there, but it doesn't capture the tone where it, it, it that it needs to be encased in. If you know what I mean, it's not it's groovy, kind of, is it? It's kind of like it. It doesn't have the essence of what it's trying to adapt. Um, and Austin read... Powers was the year before this, and actually does have that better than this yeah. does. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I have read some stuff about like the original, where uh, there was more of a focus on whether some of the stuff was actually happening and whether like Peel was. Like going out of her mind, kind of thing, and I felt if that was still in there, maybe there'd be a semblance of a decent film. But for me, it just, it just speculatively, anyway, it feels like they like ripped the essence out of it. Um, yeah, like the show would maybe be about a mystery of what's going on, but the film was the mystery as to what was actually happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I can't quite think of a metaphor, but it would be something like you've you've got. You've got something, like, um, oh, I don't I've know. I've got um, a suggestion for you of what you're saying, right? So it's a lava lamp, but they've unscrewed the top, poured out all the wax, and they're just using it as a regular light. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I guess it's like, I yes, guess it's like that. Um, that's Technically, you've got the, the main function down, but the whole point of it is missing, yeah. <laughs> You're missing that 70s, uh, 60s grooviness. I actually think, uh, Anthony, the way you described how you owned the film kind of works as your metaphor. The fact that it was a random DVD that you were given in just a fucking pile of shit that (laughs) you had no interest in owning but was just gifted to you, presumably out of some kind of spite. This was this was definitely the kind of film that you'd get free with like a newspaper, like yeah. But it's definitely the Avengers is like free with a Daily Mail type DVD when they were doing that yeah. in the early oeas, mm. isn't it? So it's 
Just uh, with one episode of Only Fools and Horses, a, a Poirot <laughs> that no one has ever seen. Just of course, all the cla- all the classics you could get for free <laughs> with your newspapers. I say stick it back in the cardboard envelope and fling it over the hedge <laughs> for for someone else to find. Throw it appropriately into the Thames. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we recommend we do with the Avengers. Please never watch this. On the, if you accidentally watch this instead of the Joss Whedon Avengers, um, I feel very bad at how confused you might be. Because as mediocre as I think that film is, this is a fucking oh god, it's unwatchable. Can you imagine if? Can you imagine if the uh, the producers, like do you know the Asylum DVD people, if they bought <laughs> the rights to Avengers and then tried to like color in Ray Fiennes to look like the Hulk? And uh, Uma Thurman like Black Widow and just go like the Avengers. <laughs> I could right. see them doing it. Yeah, do you want to buy that? <laughs> yeah, don't don't be fooled. It's not it's not even worth it for the teddy bear conference. No, this isn't even one of those. Oh, it's so so bad. It's fun. It's jo- there's nothing fun involved in this. <laughs> well, I had fun hating it, so <sighs> this is the only fun I had. Anyway, uh. Let's all sink into the Thames now. Let's not let's not do, do any more podcasts. <laughs> let's all get in our fucking what are they called again? The big balls. Zorb. Let's all get in our zorbs and Every, roll away. Everyone cram in their big zorb and we'll zorb off for another <laughs> t- day. Oh god. Come on guys, there's room. Fit in. Squidge in. Ugh. Coordination everyone. Bye! We're gonna zorb now. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. The power of imagination. That was a bit of improv there. We never do that. <laughs> anyway, bye. Bye. Bye.